everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today we are joined by It's Your Boy Bo, It's Your Boy Joey, and finally It's Your Boy Brady. And we are talking for a second week in a row, which is uncanny for us, comics. And uh, we had a reading assignment this week. So uh, we read along with The House of M from 2005, um, yet again on our series leading up to uh, the next MCU creation. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass along to you guys and do my my weekly check in. How y'all doing? I'm doing fantastic. I am quite tired because it's fairly early in the morning. I'm gonna have to get used to doing this on a Saturday morning. But I I am curious. You know, we we're kind of officially now the the comics over coffee podcast. Are you, are you guys drinking coffee? How do you drink your coffee? I'd like to I'd like to know. He stole my stole my leading question, man. <laughs> I'm over here drinking just a cup of black. I mean, I I love me some Starbucks frou frou, a little bit of cream in there, just something yummy in my tummy. But right now, now I just got black Keurig coffee in a cup. Sounds great. <laughs> I am. Uh... That is also what I'm drinking is just straight black coffee. It's not from a Keurig. It's uh, I, I made an entire pot, but. I yeah, I never put anything in my coffee. Even when I go to Starbucks, I usually just order a black coffee. I am unfortunately <laughs> I am unfortunately completely different. Um as do I do with most of my coffee. I have a little bit of coffee with my cream. So <laughs> I have a uh I have a nice tasting uh coffee and cream mixture. So Bo, um yeah, what what's going on with you this morning, man? I have to say that I am also quite tired. I'm doing well. Um, not just tired, I might be a little bit hungover. <laughs> I think in celebration of comics over coffee, I had a little bit too much uh, indie films over IPAs last night. <laughs> and like I stayed up pretty late and uh, had me a few brewskis. But I am ready to Joe. That's a coffee pun. <laughs> Coffee puns are the best thing uh, about about the morning and the new uh, podcast. So uh, I'm I'm loving it. I think I, I really like the, the new brand, and uh, I think it's it's about time to start uh, talking about some comics. So Joey, I think I'm gonna hand it off to you. Let's let's talk about these comics, man. All right. So the House of M storyline once again. If you would like to read along with us, pause right now and go read the House of M storyline. It's eight issues. It's a breeze, guys. Takes about, I don't know, maybe an hour total. It takes up place right after the events of Avengers Disassembled. Professor X has been trying to work with Wanda Maximoff to learn to control her powers. Um, and he's struggling. He, he really can't get in there and, and, you know, help her out. And he confronts Magneto, who kind of blames himself for sacrificing his kids and the, the war for mutant dumb or mutant hood or, you know, whatever that war is that Magneto's been wage, raging for like the last 60 years. Uh, but the new Avengers call a meeting at their new headquarters to decide basically what to do with Wanda. They um, get together with the X-Men and they're, they're there to decide as a group is all that's left to do is to kill Wanda. Is that what they're going to do? Uh, Quicksilver, you know, runs over, pleads with his father to do something and stop them from killing Wanda. And then that group heads to Genosha to confront Wanda. And then suddenly, snap. 
the world turns to white. I am going to accidentally refer to this as the snap at some point throughout <laughs> this because I got my first note is, is I got mad um like reminders and flashbacks to the snap in the MCU and kind of some of the consequences when they were talking about a lot of this. But anyways, what do we think, boys? I mean, introduction to this story is suddenly they're they're about to kill Wanda and then boom. Something happens. Were they about to kill Wanda, though? I think it was never actually, like, confirmed of, like, this is what we're going to do, right? So that's where, because as we get more into the summary, I think that's where, like, it kind of bothers me a little bit. Is because there's just a lot of assumptions going on, you know? I, I Obviously, we don't have a clear speech that says they were going to kill them, but they weren't giving a whole lot of other clear alternatives. I think the closest thing that they were like... So nothing, nothing. <laughs> and Dr. Strange was like, but I'm still looking. And Cap's like, well, that's it. Then. <laughs> no murder here today. Because Captain America will find any route to, to not kill somebody. But Wolvie, on the other hand, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wolverine and, and his fellow X-Men were ready to take care of that internal mutant problem the way that they do. And I do think that's why in, in, in the thing you, you see uh, Professor X bring in the X-Men. And everyone's like, well, like, almost like, what are they doing here? Because they could, the Avengers couldn't make that decision, but I, I, well, I, I mean, know. speaking of which, I I got two. I don't even know which one I'm going to use, but two of these like widescreen panels that are just like background worthy. That first one is where they're sitting there, and it's the new Avengers with the old Avengers mixed in. Um, and the second one is that wide panel where the X Men are just walking and looking cool. I mean, obviously, I think this is probably one of my favorite versions of the X-Men, which is the Astonishing X-Men. Still not a huge X-Men buff, um, but I, I like this group. And I, I uh, you, you can't beat your, your kitty cat beast and your Wolverine and your Cyclops. But I get very X-Force vibes from this group because they're willing to do kind of what it takes. Um, but yeah, awesome, awesome story so far. This full discussion... Um, to kind of hint at at some point during today's podcast there will be a uh, surprise script read <laughs> that you guys don't know about yet um, well you know it's coming but you don't know what we're reading and this discussion was one of the ones that like I was really I took quite a few screenshots of this I was like this really shows a lot of battling personalities and um, different ways of thinking amongst like the X-Men and the Avengers and throw in some some spider-man as well too but there was just too many people in here for me to think it would go too fluid um so we're skipping over this one this is not the surprise script read uh <laughs> so we can x this one off but definitely some cool issues there was there were some emotions tied into this one it's this is a reread for me um I, i've done this full event before but uh still a really really good one yeah i think for me the uh and I think this is probably why Joey picked picked this way to do the uh, the breakout. But I think for me, it was an eight comic series, right? And I think probably six of those comics were all lead up. <laughs> and I'm, I, it was a little, like it felt very uh, very uh, MCU and Star Wars like, right? Where you're like, all right, this is gonna get good. This is Something's gonna, get gonna good. happen. Something's, Something's gonna, gonna happen. happen. I'm ready for it. It's happening. So it was. Uh, it was. The, this, this first part of it was was all build up. I really liked, you know, for me reading comics and what I've enjoyed from it is like, oh, I know that character and like the realization. So I'm uh, I, I enjoyed this these first uh, six uh, six comics. 
I like the tie into the snap, though. Um, I think the biggest difference here is that it's got much more of that. I have no idea what's going on. And we see kind of these people um, that are just put in these brand new lives. You're like, oh, okay. So they're not really aware of what's going on, like, except for one person in particular um, that, that kind of leads the, the story moving forward. Yeah, speaking of which, the uh, the next kind of section of, of plot here that we're going to cover, you know, after the world turns to white, the heroes wake, uh, you know, wake up, they find themselves in a completely different reality. Mutants are now the dominant species. Um, Peter Parker finds himself married to Gwen Stacy. They have a son. Wolverine is the member of this, like, elite S.H.I.E.L.D. group of agents that are all mutants. Uh, Luke Cage is leading, like, an underground group of homo sapiens that are fighting back against mutants. And then, like you said, Bo, one character starts to kind of remember, and it's not Captain America this time. It is, it is Logan. Logan starts to remember. He's, you know, remembering his real life, begins tracking people down, seeing what's going on, and, uh, he gets taken into that group that's led by Luke Cage with all of the human superheroes, and they have a uh, a young girl with them that claims to you know believe Logan and also know that something is amiss. The next few issues of this series, all of these characters just you know completely oblivious to the fact that they are living a an entirely different reality. Uh, what were your guys's you know favorite? Um, character differences because mine i mean personally you gotta love peter parker finally being able to marry the real love of his life that died way too way too young the the whole peter parker segment i think is awesome i i personally love this house of m version of peter parker because it's like yeah my boy made it i mean you get to see the people that died in his past that he he never had that true chance to save there with him. You see him at his happiest, at his highest. He's moved on. He's uh, he's a celebrity. I mean, he's he's really living his best life. And uh, unfortunately, it is in this kind of false reality or or new reality, however you want to look at it. Um, I think a super cool story is also like the reason why Wolverine starts to remember everything is because everybody's getting what they always wanted out of this. They really kind of provided this best alternative in a way for everybody. And one thing that Logan always wanted was to be able to remember his mind has been altered, skewed with so many different times that like, he can't remember when he was born. Um, like how, how his early days started, things like that. He's starting to confuse his past memories and uh, with, with reality and what's not, but now he remembers everything. And I, I think that that's such a cool new characteristic for him and the way that he uses that. Yeah, and pause me if I'm getting ahead, but is this what in the story where we meet the little girl, or is this 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 too early still? Yeah, we met the little girl. Uh, Layla Miller is her name. Um, claims to like we we haven't really you know learned too much about her, but she said that she remembers everything that Logan remembers as well, and she knows who they all are. Uh, she just showed up to this group and and started, you know, t- bringing them into the know, basically. So here we Which, here- let's... That, I want to talk about that group just a little bit further as well, too. Uh, this story written by Brian Michael Bendis. Brian is well known for... I mean, I think his favorite character of all time through his New Avengers runs, all of these comic events 
is Luke Cage. And I think there's actually interviews and stuff about him saying that. And he just put this guy right front and center, leading the teams. And and I, I've always loved that underground, like, defender aspect of Luke. And this version is just even just so cool. Um, I hate and love the word stapes at the same time every time i read it it just felt cringy because i was like oh yeah mutes muties that that's that's funny that makes sense well not funny but it's 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 a slang that rolls off the tongue and saying sapes i was offended by that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, the way that he leads this team and you get to see some of these other underground people um clinton barton hawkeye there's obviously cloak and dagger involved there uh is that is that Black Cat? Is, was that like the the female? That's Felicia Hardy. Um, yeah, Felicia just a super super cool group. Yeah, and yeah. they are featured a bit more too in some of the. I know we are sticking to the House of M title and not the full event because we would never be able to make it through these reading lists if we were reading the entire like eighty issue events with all the different tie-ins. But I did read this House of M's entire event a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And it dives into a lot of these stories way deeper. You get like a five-issue run on Luke Cage and that group. You get a five-issue run on Wolverine before he starts to kind of remember things. Uh, him leading that group of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. You get a five-issue run of Peter Parker, which basically shows his life he's like thought to be a mutant everybody just thinks he's a mutant and assumes he is one but he's not um it, but it yeah it was really interesting to me to kind of see the difference in when you stick to just the main title yeah i love the tie-ins <laughs> um i i read a lot of those in the past as well too um but yeah kind of going straight by the story it does feel like you don't get as much character development but i mean how could you in an eight issue run so I love that you have the ability to do that. Like, oh, this is my favorite character. I can dive off and read a little bit more about this and get this backstory. But at the same time, you don't have to read everything. And you can bust this out. And uh, to, I took a whole new strategy with this. Because last time that we read, I read super early and then had so much downtime. And I started filling with other comics in between. I was like, I want this to be fresh. So I started this at 6 p.m. last night. And yeah, I was done by like 7.15. Uh, so it was super cool to just get all that done in one night the night before. I obviously haven't read anything since. I wasn't like, oh, well, now it's time to read some more before tomorrow morning. But uh, yeah, having just this eight issues was was a really cool story. But yeah, so you you read everything, Joey. Oh, yeah. I Like I said, when I dive into a storyline, I like to consume as much of the story as I possibly can, which is why I have not made it through as many events as you have, Bo, because I <laughs> get stuck in trying to read, yeah, like all 70, 80 issues. But House of M was great. It was a good one. I'm glad I read it. And um, yeah, I think it, it enhanced my reading of this title for a second time as well. So having read none of the backstories, Brady, and just on this main event, that's my assumption, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Well, what's your take on it? I was confused at times. And I think what Joey said was the perfect thing, which is I didn't get all the backstory to understand why I was confused. Um, like, but, but there's enough context clues there that you're, I wasn't completely lost. So like, for example, like Peter Parker, right? You, you knew that he was sad because he had a kid in this other life and you know, you're like, oh, you know, I would be sad, too, if I lost the kid that I thought I had. But, like, 
you know, if you had that deeper that deeper understanding, you would understand like how much it truly impacts him. And while I still don't really read the story, like I was able to take back in retrospect and like understand like, oh, okay, you know, this was his life, you know, and it, and I'm vaying away from the question here, but the parallels to uh, to Wanda and Peter Parker there were are pretty uh, pretty crazy. So I'm interested to see. You know, I'm interested to see where it goes. I do want to throw another pause out here real quick. Uh, a backstory that we didn't talk about that I thought was an interestingly emotional one was where it kind of like goes into this new world and it shows the lab. They're working in Stark Lab. Um, Tony Stark is one of the more famous sapes in this new universe. And so he still has these people working for him, um, two of which are these top scientists, Hank Pym and Hank McCoy. I'm sorry, Henry Pym and Hank McCoy. So obviously uh, Ant-Man as we know him and then uh, Beast. But Beast is kind of in his pre-blue fluffy phase because he never tried to alter his mutation like he does in the comics. So he looks like he did in the original comics. Um, and the way that they sit there and uh, Hank McCoy just kind of like belittles him. Like in a way like, oh, I feel so bad for you. Like you, you're sitting here, you realize this is going on and that you guys are so inferior when compared to the mutant race. Like you, you poor thing, like let's go get lunch. And that dialogue, I was just like, oh, that sucks. Again, they were just tugging at my little sapien heartstrings <laughs> <laughs> because I felt like such the, such the minority in that. Um, so that was another dialogue that I had screenshot that I thought would be a cool read through. But yet again... I found another one later on that I that I liked quite a bit better. So, yet another not surprise script read. I do have a question as yet again a non-comic reader. Is Layla Polar Polaris? No, 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 no. Polaris is the uh, third daughter. I'm the, so the third child or the second daughter that's shown later in the House of M. Uh, the one with the green hair. She yeah, she's shown in her her true form with with the rest of the House of Magnus. I I can uh Try to pull up okay. a picture here. But yeah, no, Layla is, is truly as she's depicted here where uh, she has no other tie-ins outside of this universe. Um, I think the biggest part is, I, I think they even questioned this later on, so I don't know if this is part of your your script, um, Joey, or, or summary, but it, it's kind of was she created or was she placed here on purpose uh, by Wanda? Because like, is this really what she wanted? Um, so yeah, she's, she's kind of a no name outside of the story, but the name within the story. Um, but it's not a tie into anybody that we know outside of that. Polaris is the, the third child of Magneto or Magnus. There's Pietro, uh, Wanda, and then I don't know Polaris's real name, but they do say it when he first walks up to her kind of in that royalty aspect where doom comes in and snaps pictures. It's right before that, which again, I thought that the, uh, the, like the, royalty in the kingdom aspect of this that's that's shown um i think a little bit later on in the story where we see namor walk through um aurora come through as the queen of kenya um t'challa come in obviously is the king of wakanda but just kind of this gathering of the of the royalties and kingdoms that was that was a cool story too I, I yeah, also one thing agree. we haven't really even mentioned it is the reason that it is called House of M is because the whole premise the of the whole, of the entire thing is that Wanda kind of created this universe where her family is at the center and kind of in charge, and you know House of Magnus because 
Magneto is now you know, Magnus, who is ruling the world, basically. And yeah, we see that gathering of, uh, of royalty there towards the end, which do we want to jump into that next segment? Let's do it. Yeah, so the, uh, we, we met Layla Miller. Layla Miller starts to reveal she is a mutant of some kind who has the power to um, you know, bring back people's memories, basically. She works and t- to start slowly bringing some of these Avengers and, uh, and X-Men back to reality. And you know, so this group starts to get their memories back and decide, you know, it's time to fight back. We need to fly to... Genosha, where you know this royal gathering basically is happening, and we need to stop Wanda. We need to confront you know the the House of M, and so they uh, this ragtag group of people that have their memories back fly to Genosha. Um, some of them, a couple of them, split off with Layla. I think if I'm remembering correctly, Emma Stone takes Layla to find Professor X. They got to find Professor X to stop what's going on. Doctor Strange goes to confront Wanda and uh, the rest of the group just attacks. Uh, It basically causes a massive distraction. Um, And I figure that could be a good uh, quick stopping point for us to discuss briefly before the very end. No, yeah, let's definitely pause here because there's a lot that we we skipped over. And... uh... I think one of the coolest parts was that reveal where these people that as they come in contact with Layla, as she uses her powers, uh, Wolverine kind of just breaks the news that, hey, happy birthday, you're a mutant, uh, as she kind of realizes what's been happening because she's had such a normal life so far. So I think this is truly just the activation of her mutation powers that she's she's had laid dormant her entire normal life. Um I do have another screenshot of of Layla just kind of within that normal life. Her bedroom has the coolest superheroes in it, like that giant Moon Knight poster. I was like, oh, I want that giant Moon Knight poster in my room. Um, but the first one, obviously, well, not the first one. The first one to come um, and and kind of become awakened is Emma Frost, the leader of the X Men. Um, Wolverine does this on purpose, knowing that her mind powers can help reach and help coordinate kind of the further unlockings of minds and and dive a little bit deeper into Layla and figure out what's going on. So uh, a little bit after that process, uh, Cyclops comes home, Scott Summer walks into his wife, Emma, which I was taken aback by. That was a pairing that I didn't expect, nor was the uh, Mystique and Wolverine hookup. That was spicy. Uh, But I think it played on some, some cool underlying stuff there. Um, but uh, yeah, after that, they, they start to use this power to specifically unlock the, the memories or the other realities of these other people. And again, I think the most heartbreaking one was I'm sitting at the top. I'm, I'm on my throne. Things are finally going good for me. Hey, Peter, here's a, here's a, um, here's a check to reality of how bad you truly have it. <laughs> like the yeah, character Peter with the worst luck there. of all time. Peter, yeah, we see Peter almost have a mental breakdown and kind of he he runs off for a little bit t- towards the end of these com- comics. He's almost ready to like just give up altogether. And, you know, he's ready to kill Wanda or kill Magneto. And it's just a different Peter than I'm used to seeing. At, at his absolute lowest because he's literally taking that jump from high to low and 
if you guys look at your phones, there's actually a screenshot of kind of right after this news is broken. Uh, Peter realizes what's going on, gets this super cool full screen panel of his life. It shows uh, the death of Gwen Stacy, who he thinks is alive, the death of Uncle Ben, his his uh, interaction with Venom, Mary Jane, just every high and low in his, his, his true life before this reality swap and then just takes off um, to, to somewhat just process this. But knowing that they need to make sure he's okay and to check on him, Wolverine volunteers to, to kind of go check on his, his buddy of sorts. And uh, they have this rooftop conversation that ding, ding, ding is today's surprise script read. So I, I think this would be a super cool thing to just dive in live action style talk through this there's not a whole lot of sound effects or action going on but it's a really cool just almost um i can't say monologue but a, a dialogue of of sorts that you could see in a tv show or a movie adaptation um there's only two in this so um we we won't i i, I kind of want to take myself out of it for this first run and see how the surprise aspect really goes um brady I would love for you through this comic panel to read Wolverine and your best Logan and Joey. I, I, I couldn't not give you Peter Parker. So if you could just show me uh, the man at his lowest, I would love for you guys to, to kind of read through this for our listeners and put them right into the action. Let's With today's ding, 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 ding surprise script read. So gentlemen, action. Ah, Tell me it's a trick, Logan. Tell me it's Mysterio. Some some hallucination he pulled out of his... Just, please, please tell me I've snapped. Just tell me it's me. It's all in my head. Just tell me. I can deal with that. I can handle... I, tell, tell me this isn't really happening. Sorry. I... I... I have... Do you have this? I have memories on top of memories. Memories of things I did on top of things I didn't. I can't even think straight. I can't. Mary Jane. I have a son. Come on, we have things we have to do. This wasn't in the brochure. What? You get your superpowers, you, you, you know, you fight some bad guys, but this, this wasn't in the brochure. Just how much crap am I supposed to have to take in this life? We got a lot to do. Can you get it together? How did he do this? How did they get into my head? How did they get me this bad? It's not just you, you know. Yeah? What did you wake up from? Looks like I always wanted to be Nick Fury. Sorry. <laughs> Logan, I swear to God, I think I'm going to kill them. Magneto, his stupid daughter, I'm going to kill them with my bare hands. I'm not... I'm not going to be able to stop myself. Don't worry. You won't get the chance. I'll have done it already. Bravo! Bravo, gentlemen! Here's, here's my thing with that scene specifically. I'm used to, we talked about this on the last podcast, I'm used to Peter Parker being this, like, you know, this, like, funny, witty, crack, you know, joke-cracking guy. Which he does get to later in the in the series, but like he's he's not that here. He you actually like feel the pain of of Peter Parker, which 
you really haven't felt since like Uncle Ben died in in the movies, you know, or or the first the first episode. So it's like finally realizing the whole uh the whole darkness that is behind the wits and the joke cracks. It was a uh, I really like this scene, so I'm glad you picked it. Wolverine's just another one of those people where like in in the actual shows and the movies like, "Oh, here's this hero. Yeah, he's dark and gritty, but he's a hero." And in the comics, he's just so willing to kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, I had that uh, scene screenshotted on my phone as well, Bo. So I am glad you picked that for our script read. Uh, but yeah, it's just is... I think such a cool point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is probably. I mean, the other time I can think of is uh, you know the Clone Saga when when Peter finds out that he is actually the clone. Da 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 da. Spoilers for the Clone Saga. <laughs> um, however, yeah, that was all just a trick. He's he's really Peter Parker. It's gone back and forth a couple of times, but uh, that is another point where Peter gets like super low, super dark, and introspective. And but this is probably just his lowest point of all time. And yeah, Brady, you're coming in reading comics at Spider Man's just lowest point. He is he has had it, and i can't blame him i mean he's had gwen stacy and then lost her he's had mary jane he's almost lost her before now he's suddenly you know he gets gwen stacy back again he's finally you know with the girl of his dreams and then he loses her just you know over and over with this guy he just can't win yeah this is one of, i think the coolest snapbacks because in this reality again seemingly everybody has everything they've ever desired they're living the best life like there's nothing to truly complain about and, and that's something that they battle about as they go into this kind of covert ops mission uh, of going to to find Mag- magneto they they basically come to okay he's the one that's done this magneto did this to us he uh kind of just coerced or or made wanda do this uh, we have to find him and stop him. Clearly, it was him because all of this revolves around him and this house of Magnus. He's up on top, like he did this for his daughter and for his family. Um, these these mutants are really thriving, which is something that he has always wanted. Um, but yeah, we we see these people these highest. I think they're some of the coolest stories, and then everything is just ripped from from Peter. So nice read, guys. Uh, I know I didn't I didn't know if I wanted to give you some prep for that, but I think you guys did it awesome without. That was a panel that, that wasn't the easiest to read, too, because there was a lot of kind of up and down and sideways. But I think the way that it's drawn out is really cool as well. But, um, yeah, that dives yeah. us into a little bit more of the uh, – this is kind of like that last, okay, let's do this before the this uh, kind of battle fight scene. If this was a series, this is a episode seven, if you will, as, as we get into the heat of the action. And, yeah, what was interesting to me is – the, some of the conversations they're having before they decide to go fight, they have to decide, like, is this even worth fighting for? Like, what what if this was all supposed to happen? And what if, you know, everyone getting what they want is actually the best course and leaving, like, leaving things be is the best course of action? Um, but one thing I did want to ask you guys about, I took a screenshot of this. Luke Cage, after he has his memories brought back, makes a phone call. To Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She doesn't answer the phone. Gets the answering machine. It says, This is Jessica. And this is Scott. Leave a message. Do you mm-hmm. think Scott Lang is Jessica Jones? 
and Scott Lang. Did they always just want to be together? Is that is that a coupling that was a result of this House of M? Well, I, so I don't I don't know. I've never saw that. Uh, but that's I read it as being that Scott as well too. Um, which again I think is just kind of another. I I guess I didn't think about this too much either. Obviously, prior to House of M, we saw this in Disassembled. Uh, Clint Barton died, and he's brought back to life in this. And another huge person that died during that was Scott Lang as, as Jack of Hearts exploded. So was he also brought back from this? And why was everybody brought back except for Vision? <laughs> <laughs> well, well we, I think we know why on that one. Um, but the thing that I see is... Uh... It's like you, you you have these different like pairings, right? And I don't know if it's done by Wanda specifically, but like you, you've got Peter Parker coming back with you know Red Stacy instead of MJ and these different lives, so that like if they ever did break out, right? They have these these things to remember or have that like in their in their subconscious to like you know is that was that set to mess with them more or to 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 make them think? So I. I I love the mental aspect. I think Joey mentioned this a couple episodes ago. It's very uh, Jessica Jones and uh, the bad guy from Jessica Jones, like where this like this this luring like manipulation thing that's going on. So it's very possible that you know, let's say Jessica Jones breaks out and she remembers just like Peter Parker did, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, my life with you know Scott Lang, what happened?" And now you know. She doesn't go back to Luke Cage, or she has this, like, you know, I think that's canon. But she doesn't have this, like, you know, other other life, or she's just questioning it now, right? It's, I think it's really interesting that all the pairings were, were different. It's like she got to play matchmaker at, at the same time, where, ooh, I'm, I'm going to put Mystique and Wolverine together, because that's drama. <laughs> No, it's exactly. just that, you know, deep down, Wolverine just always wanted to be with Mystique because we we do discover here, I'll, I'll quickly recap the, the ending of the storyline here and we can talk about it all. Um, but we discover, you know, the cause of all of this. We have been kind of led to believe throughout the course of events that this was all kind of Magneto's doing. Magneto kind of convinced Wanda to, to do all this. Doctor Strange confronting Wanda, we discover it was actually Pietro, Quicksilver. Her brother shows up and convinces her, hey, you know, you can tap in the Professor X's power and give everybody what they want. Like, you know, our family can have what we want. All of our friends, the Avengers, the X-Men, they can all have what they want. And so Wanda thinks she's doing what's right for everyone after, you know, killing so many people and <laughs> nearly destroying the world. You know, she tries to put everything back where it belongs and give everybody what's best. But it's it's Pietro that's ultimately responsible for this. And Magneto, not super pleased when he finds out that his son organized all of this and kind of did it under his name. Uh, not very happy about that because Magneto's been kind of on a redemption course as of late. Uh, but Wanda eventually just like, you know, realizes she's got to take this all back uh, and kind of, you know, you might call it an overcorrection, utters the phrase, no more mutants. She's mm. had it with the mutants. 
And so the final issue of this series, uh, I which was kind of a surprise to me, I forgot that it didn't end with No More Mutants, and I forgot there was an entirely different issue after that where we deal with the fallout of this. There's mutants, you know, all over the place that are uh, no longer have their powers, but everybody wakes back up in in reality. You know, we're we're back to normal. Um, only our group of heroes that was kind of involved in everything has their their memory of the House of M timeline. Everyone else is just completely oblivious to everything that went on. Um, even Captain America, who oh, we didn't talk about Cap. They they uh, you know we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But um, Captain America, Tony Stark, no memory. But the rest of the Avengers, a lot of the X Men, you know, they all remember it, and they're just dealing with the fallout there at the end. Um, but yeah, boys, anything I missed major in, in the plot there? Well, yes, there's there's one huge key thing. I Googled in the background here. Apparently, Jessica Jones and Scott Lang have a spicy little uh, on-again, off-again boyfriend-girlfriend relationship in the comics. So that's mm-hmm. playing on an existing relationship between the two of them. And it, it is confirmed that. that the House of M reference, reference was Scott Lang, the Ant-Man. So uh, I learned something out of today's podcast. That's exciting. But yeah, and then the Captain America part too. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I didn't want to skip completely over that. They see old man Cap just basically was never frozen in ice, walking around, old veteran. The the kids, the little mutant kids are looking at him weird in the street because he's just that old safe man walking around. And uh, as they are going kind of on the recruiting mission to unlock memories with Layla, kind of led by Emma Frost and Wolverine. Uh, they see him and come to the understanding of he's no good to us like this. Like, this is not our cap. He's just this ancient old man. Like, let him live his life. So it's kind of, I, I, I'm pretty sure that there's nothing outside of this. But only the people that had their memories or previous realities unlocked during the House of M saga had the memory of it when they came back. Um, and yeah, when we come back to No More Mutants, it really was just like, only a select handful of mutants is what she should have said because there there are still mutants um but the majority of i feel like young mutants uh like the entire school all the pretty much all the children bobby drake included the original Iceman, um just have their powers reversed from them and, and only some of the the key players in x-men which is convenient for future comics uh but uh like wolverine and uh emma frost kitty pride still have their powers um, but yeah, that was, I can't, I, I knew about this event, but imagine reading this like in comics as they're coming out for the first time and then seeing that and being like a huge X-Man fan and just being like, no, all my people. <laughs> well, uh, but to be fair, this was actually done on purpose because I, and I, I heard a little bit about this on a, on a podcast that I listened to prior um, they were just losing their grip on the X-Men universe because basically with each new series, the, the mutant population was just growing and growing and growing and growing. And it was just name on top of power on top of yada, yada, yada. And they weren't even like really the minority anymore uh, because there were so many of them so that they kind of used this as a hard refresh button uh, to just kind of give the X-Men saga and the uh, X universe like a, a hard start, like restart. So I think the way that they did that through an event like this was just genius. Yeah, I like it a lot. And the thing that I took away from that, you mentioned Bo, you know, the people who kept their powers. How strong is Layla? Is Layla's power strong enough to 
overcome anything that uh, that Wanda can do to somebody's mind? Is that well? I would key? say I would well, say yes. no because I'm pretty sure when she wakes up, Layla doesn't have her powers anymore either. I'm still convinced that the powers through Layla is the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I, I think we kind of were led to believe that as well in the the panel when Wanda is talking to Doctor Strange and or. It, I, I think it's when Doctor Strange is there still, but Layla shows up and they, they come to realize like, oh, my powers were created by you, Wanda, so that I could wake everybody up. And, you know, it was like Wanda had planted a seed. It was kind of like, you know, Galen Erso planting the the weakness in the Death Star so that Luke Skywalker could ultimately blow up the Death Star. It was like Wanda had planted that seed so that this world could get blown up and, and you know, reality could come back. Yeah, it's I, I, I see. I see. And I remember that now. But it's, it's I always when I was looking at it initially and my first thought was, you know, was yet again i asked if she was polaris and had all these powers i thought that they were starting to to come through and like bo mentioned daughter of magneto so i'm like what if what if she's just you know the stopper because yet again don't know any of the back background lore but that's it's interesting it's it's yet again and i said this last podcast too it's the battle of wanda whether she's good or bad whether she can control her powers just her plot development what what's more important to her reality and her friends or having this family that was created you know it's such a cool storyline so i i'm really excited for what's coming up in the mcu i think the favorite one of my favorite interactions is basically every time that wanda just loses it there's this battle of i feel like there's always the comparison between dr strange and wanda and dr strange being the sorcerer supreme the master of the dark arts every time the wanda goes off he he's just like yo you guys are screwed like you don't <laughs> understand that this chaos magic and what she does like i'm gonna try my best here but like this is a little out of my hands and it just kind of puts her in this omega tier of what she truly is like with her mutant powers with her her chaos magic powers it's a uh, it's pretty frightening because yeah she uh, does not have the most stable of emotions and kind of seeing her in that astral plane state seeing that she really just kind of has like this body double or just this car in reality and she's up in this protected astral plane with her sons and she's just always there and her little sons are kind of creepy <laughs> in this but they're just like yeah mommy <laughs> plays with us and uh she just hangs out there and and lives her best life and just is unbothered by we didn't even talk about this wanda in this reality is seen to be a human they kind of say that oh the human one she she doesn't even have powers in this reality um and i think a lot of that is because it is just that dormant kind of body form of her as opposed to where she truly is with her powers and and what she wanted to portray but yeah scarlet witch She's cool, dude. Well, well, it's the same in WandaVision, right? She didn't want to be known as that person with powers. She wanted to be known as just another person with a family. And it goes back to that, like, psychological deep down battle that she's having of, I just want to have a family, you know? So it's it's really cool and interesting. And I didn't look at the kids as creepy, but I saw my take on it was what they were saying is creepy, but... It's like when when you're being controlled or like in movies, when someone's being mind controlled and they're pretending to be someone else, but that person understands it. Right. Then it like kind of like breaks the fourth wall and that person like comes out of that person, you know. So when when the kid 
popped out and said, like, no talking playtime towards Doctor Strange. I just saw that as, like, Wanda's voice coming out of, like, no talking. Like, leave us alone. Like, you know, stop breaking this or whatever. And that's what I took it as. So I took it as, which is still creepy, but less, uh, but more, more in terms of, like, it's interesting to see, like, the the wall or the thing that she has built coming through. It's interesting you said that because I, I'm confusing it now. I don't know if it happens in this comic or another comic where they're referencing the kids. Um, but basically, every time that they talk, it is her actually talking. And Doctor Strange says to her, so I can't remember if this was disassembled or if it happened in this, where he was like, don't, don't you hear this? Like, it's at, that this is you, Wanda. This is you speaking through them. Um, and now I've read too many comics to remember where that reference is coming from. But I, I got that exact same vibe as well, too. It's like these are just basically her portrayals, almost like an inner child of sorts, or this is like a personification of her desire to have a family. But the, I think the biggest root of all of her kind of just tortured past and her mindset and where she's at is just her true resentment towards her dad. Like, obviously, there's this love for Magneto. This is my dad. She's got a deep connection to her brother, Pietro. Um, but they grew up kind of just under this agenda that like the brotherhood of evil mutants were going to like create this master race, um, do anything that's best for, for mutant kind, like sapiens are inferior to us. Um, and, and they were kind of used as tools in a sense where their powers were, were put to create and accomplish his agenda at, at all means. And so, uh, yeah, not the best of uh love for her dad shown in this and uh he gets what's coming to him he he definitely acknowledges that he made a lot of mistakes in his past in this series though early on when they're you know professor x comes to him and and talks and says you know i i don't know what i can do to help wanda at this point you know he's we see magneto just struggling because he realizes like this is his fault he has just kind of let wanda suffer as a result of everything that he's been doing in his life with his pursuit of you know making mutants the dominant species and and we see him kind of coming to terms with all of the bad things that he's done in the past um which was kind of interesting to me to see that somewhat maybe possibly a redeemable side of magneto Mm-hmm. 100%. He's, he's yeah he's always been and one of those people you can like if you put yourself in his position he's trying to do what he truly believes is best it's just a, a case of kind of skewed morals um where he he's trying to do what he thinks is best it's very thanos like where he's got this goal this is for the betterment of everybody but at, at any means or at all cost and uh yeah, as as uh as we progress, Joey, do you do you have more left in in the summary, or or are we just doing a full recap here? No, we're just doing a full recap here. I mean, we got through the uh, the no more mutants, everybody coming to terms with that, and what was what was interesting to me about that, real quick, was the something I I never would have thought about, but in some of these panels when they're listening to the news in the background talking about these mutants that are. You know, waking up to find out their powers are gone. They mentioned, like, we don't know what kind of disastrous effects this could have on the Earth. Like, some of these mutants, it could be impacting the weather and the magnetic poles of the Earth. 
And suddenly we're just like taking all of that power away and we have no idea where it went because, you know, law of thermodynamics, energy can never be destroyed. It's just so it's got to go somewhere. And um, I that's something I never would have thought about. Like it's you think about the personal level of like everyone. Oh, man, everyone's losing their their powers, their identity. But I didn't think about it quite on that macro level. And so that was interesting to me towards the end of that last comic. Yeah, and it just pans out to to kind of show like the universe and it shows kind of this 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 blip or this effect of powers. And I, I think conveniently enough, it is kind of like this scarlet aura. Or what did she absorb the powers? Did she become even more powerful through this? I think one of the coolest things that I saw was kind of that defeat of Magneto where he's sitting there and one of the people who lost their powers was him. And it basically just kind of becomes the opposite of everything he's ever fought for where Wolverine has this aha in your face moment of I didn't lose y'all. Oh, so you lost your control over metal where well, I didn't pop his metal claws out and, and uh, Magneto's just there in his defeat. And yeah, it's such a, such a cool setup for future events and, and stories, but yeah, where, where that, you talked about the news. Um, I think it's always cool to kind of take that step back and see things like that shown out in the story. Um, but what do you guys think about that large like news article? Did you guys read all of that where like it pops in and it shows kind of all the stories uh, to give you kind of like a little, little blurbs about all the different tie-ins that there are? I read it, but I, I, I just... It was more of a like a recap of the like side stories is what I understood it to be. It's kind of like a little blurb of all this stuff going on. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It reminded me of those ones from that we read from like the sixties, where it's like, oh hey, here's a comic text wall. So I read it, but I only read half of it, and then I decided it wasn't for me. Oh man, I was hoping you would have read it because that would have been yeah your like taste of all of the side stories that were going on um some of the like shang chi stuff like you get there's like a brief shang chi like mug shot with a brief blurb about him being wanted or something and there's like a little issue like a three issue run of, of that in, in one of the side stories what i thought was hilarious was the hot as hell meter did, did you read the hot as hell meter um, where it was ranking all of these, like, uh, the hottest uh, homo sapiens. <laughs> it was Tony Stark, and then, like, Allison Blair, and they had freaking Ralph Macchio on there. <laughs> I did, I did, I, I did read it, and anything with pictures, I definitely took a time to read, so I saw the Shang-Chi thing, or, but I, I, I don't know. I, I get lost in large things of, of text, because if I want to <laughs> read large things of text, I'll read a book. Not a comic. Brady got <laughs> intimidated by all the words. <laughs> he said, there's not nearly enough pictures on this page. <laughs> exactly. See, Bo knows. So, Bo, did you read the entire newspaper? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I knew that that wasn't like, like Brady referenced the old comics, just a random old story where like, oh, this isn't going to tie in later. I knew that that is exactly what it was, was going to be those like kind of clips of, of all the different tie-ins that were going on outside of that. I think Bendis did a really good job of including that. There is actually one of the side uh, comics, one of the tie-ins to the House of M event is 
that newspaper. There is an issue that's like 15, 20 pages of it's and it's basically like an entire newspaper and it's that newspaper, which is kind of cool. So like we get the snippets where, you know, what you would see on the front page of a newspaper, the beginning of a story. And then, you know, it, it always ends with continued on page five or whatever. You get that entire thing in uh, one issue of the, uh, the tie-ins, which is kind of cool. So speaking of tie-ins, let's tie in a couple of our own questions as, as kind of a wrap up for this. Um, I, I want to know both of your opinions on this, both as a reread and a new read. Uh, let's just do it. That's something that's easy to, to kind of, Compare scale of one to ten. How how would you guys rank this event as a whole? Let's do the the reread first, Joey. What do you think? I would rate this as I'm going to give this an eight and a half. I really enjoyed this. I loved seeing the characters, uh, you know, come to terms with the new reality and then come to terms with, you know, being back in the old reality, uh, particularly, you know, Spider-Man's character development here and, and the just the low lows that we see him have to deal with. Um, I loved just this entire event. I think it's an eight and a half. I think this is a solid, solid story. So I'm going to take a different approach and say six out of ten. Um, Ooh, six is... The reason why I'm saying that is I actually liked it towards the end. I told you how much I fully enjoy the uh, the Wanda plot. But I, I, one of my least favorite things about the Star Wars movies is I feel like it's a lot of filler until you get to a point. And I felt like this whole series was a lot of filler until you get to that point. And I think the point was good. It just didn't like hit as well as it probably could have for me. And I think that it's, you know, I think it's, interesting i can't wait to find out more you know i hope they go into more detail in the uh in the uh mcu version of this but yeah i think it's i think it's just you know i thought it was good i just thought Hmm. it was a lot of filler i don't i don't think a six out of ten reads as, as super good for me but uh to be fair that that leaves a lot of room for for better and bigger comics to come in above that on your scale. So we can reference back to this. Um, I, I personally would give this, and I mean, first of all, Brady, uh, love your opinion. You are wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there was too much like buildup or, or uh, like just plot that wasn't action whatsoever. I think like I mentioned at the beginning, it almost got felt kind of shorted of this, which is why they had to do all those tie-ins. I love that it dives deeper. Um, Joey mentioned the the team that goes into battle earlier. It's kind of like that ragtag group. But I think that they did a great job of – there wasn't so many people in this crossover event, but they did a good job of developing everybody's involvement in it. Everybody kind of had their their segment or, oh, that makes sense of why he would react this way or those two would pair together like this. There wasn't just random and, like, included people that that just just for the fun of it, like – uh, like a original Secret Wars where it was just everybody uh, for, for no reason and they just wanted to sell toys. Everybody had a really cool place in this. Um, you didn't just have the Fantastic Four show up for no reason. Except for there was a Fantastic Four reference um, when Emma Frost is going to kind of like her, her therapist job of, of means where she's like, oh, I got to go meet, meet with the poor Richards kids again. And Scott Summers is like, oh, the, the astronaut family that died in space. And you're like, oh, dang, they didn't make it. <laughs> but well, there, was, um, 
there's another reference too, Bo. Uh, when they're talking towards the end of the comics, when the White House makes their press release, they said we've included all of our internal uh, groups to do to research this, including like you know I forget all the the F, F, FBI, the FDA, blah 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 blah, and then they said and Reed Richards, and I was like, oh hey, <laughs> so yeah, there's 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 a couple Fantastic Four tie-ins, but I, but I, yeah, I do so get many- what you're saying. The tie-ins are cool. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Um, if I would have read this for the first time and not read what I read after it, probably would have come higher. But because I know what's to follow and some of the other events and how those are handled, I want to le- leave a- I don't want everything to be a 10. Uh, but I did, did thoroughly, <laughs> did, did, I did really thoroughly, very much so, a- enjoy this. Even as a reread. Yeah, I think my my high ranking of an eight and a half is is skewed because I have the background of all of these tie-ins and the the full story of what was going on, um, which I'm sure will change with some of these future events that we're going to be reading because I I have not read through every single one of these events quite like I have with House of M. But uh, all right, yeah. So rating out of ten, um, and then I believe our our other kind of wrap up question, Bo, here is going to be. Who was everyone's favorite character of this storyline? I went first with the last question, so I'm going to ask this one and make one of you two answer it. Ah, I, it's hard to not choose Peter Parker in this, just because the development is it just shows him at such an eye-opening level. It's not even like, oh, wow, look at Spider-Man in action pose, doing all of his different powers, and Spider-Man's cool, look at him go. Oh, it's oh, the person's going through a lot, and so I think the character development of him was very cool. Um, I'm gonna go different than Peter Parker and choose Clint Barton. I I just think that literally back from the dead, and it shows him in such like a during the action scene, he arrows through Wanda, kind of like a uh, got your back moment, and they don't dive a whole lot into him, but I like that. Because he's the one person who kind of didn't want to be awakened. Everybody else had seen their other realities. And he's here and, and just kind of doesn't dive down that path. And at the end, uh, shows his existence uh, by leaving his Hawkeye uniform pinned up with arrows outside the tower. Hinted like, a, hey, I'm back, guys. Um, the very ominous aspect of him. And I love Hawkeye because he's so comedic and every very much like Spider-Man. There's actually comics where I've seen him and Spider-Man together in the same panel and they're fighting over who gets the quip in. Like, oh no, this is my job. I'm supposed to say the funny thing while we do cool stuff. Um, but in this, he's just he's dark, he's serious. Um, and there was an undertone to all of that in this story. So I'm gonna go with the guy who I think drove a lot of that. And uh I'm gonna choose Hawkeye. Interesting. So am I am you and me go next, Joey, or are you are you a Oh, you can go next. I, I do like the the Clint Barton pick, and and I liked that we they get a little tease at the end of this uh, that he is back and alive because he you know they just find his arrows holding up a newspaper that says Clint Barton is dead, which means he's clearly alive. I uh, I found that interesting too because I was going to take the same approach, bro, and I was going to go. Uh, I think Peter Parker is the for me the clear one, but. I, I personally really liked um, Emma, as as Joey called her, Emma Stone. 
but I really liked Emma Frost a lot. I think Did I say Emma Stone earlier? <laughs> I've done that so many times. <laughs> I think I think Emma Frost yet again a character because I I only you know my background in, in in Marvel is the MCU that I didn't know a whole lot about other than you know from passing in video games and things like that. But Emma Emma Frost was a huge part of this and became that like you know everyone looks at professor xavier as this super like all-powerful being and it's like you know it's emma emma kind of became that with this and it was kind of crazy to see the uh the development so uh I, i'm gonna say emma emma frost i think it's cool that you got that reaction really big uh, well, no, just because but it, in this point in the comics, like she's actually the leader of the X-Men. They've kind of had that fallout with Charles Xavier that they, they hint at here at the beginning as they get reunited with him. Um, but they don't go into all the details of what happened there. But yeah, as far as like leaders of the X-Men go, her powers being quite comparable, but she's got some cool stuff on top of that too. I think that was a cool choice for sure. What it leads to though is, uh, is this uh, like, crazy craziness of of what's coming next so i'm i'm interested but we also left joey with two really crazy people to not pick as your favorite characters so uh joey uh who's your favorite character i'm not picking spider-man as my favorite character this week (laughs) uh kind of a curveball honestly um i'm i'm taking jessica drew as my favorite character because I mentioned earlier they you know they they talked a little bit about should we even fight back or should we just accept that this is the new reality and everyone's as their memories are coming back is immediately jumping on that like let's do something let's fight back train and Jessica is the one that's like guys let's take a minute to think about this and Bo I'm I'm glad you picked a uh, a scene for us to read through because if had it been up to me, I might have had pegged this uh, Jessica Drew scene where she like makes everybody think and says like you know if a meteor hits the Earth, it's you know it kind of a natural event, and she's like guys, a meteor just hit the Earth. Like who are we to decide this is not the next order of things? This is how things are supposed to be, um, and you know she's like something of this magnitude happens like everyone was happy who are we to take that away and like go back on these you know friends of ours that are now back to life and this is when i got all of those snap vibes because this reminded me a lot of my own thoughts on endgame and how i was not a fan of what they did in endgame because i thought bringing everyone back to a reality 5 years in the future was kind of honestly harsh to both the people that are coming back and to the people that were here because you know there you have people that have moved on that are living a completely different life and suddenly like a spouse and you know you've gotten remarried and your ex-spouse that you thought was dead is is now back and you know maybe you've got kids that have aged five years and there's just so many situations of like just shitty situations of like people you know that have moved on and now have to face the reality that they have to like unmove on and yeah you get a loved one back and that's always a great thing but 
who you know who were the avengers to decide that was the right course of action and it's just that kind of philosophy stuff that goes behind that line of thinking was just super interesting to me to see jessica like being the one that's like hey we need to think about what we're doing and if it's actually the right decision yeah that's a that's a deep deep pick and i I definitely like that if wolverine would have heard you made that pick he would have said you're gonna be embarrassed for making that pick later (laughs) basically (laughs) as she's saying these things he's like "Uh, you're gonna regret that because he he's driven on this mission that okay i what you're saying i hear you but you're wrong (laughs) we need to set things right we need to do this but at the same time you're questioning not not only is it right to do this this threat but do we have the ability to put things back? Like, is what we're doing even worth it? Or what's the outcome here? And they don't have an answer for that either. And the frost is basically like, uh, we'll figure it out when we get there. So yeah, some, some really cool aspects and play, plays on that there. But this is a cool version of Jessica for sure. Uh, is this better? Didn't we all get what we always wanted? I know that I'm happier. Yeah, so Jessica Drew, not someone that I would have thought was my my favorite character of the week, but she just you know, was a, a kind of a major character throughout this storyline, and and she just had some heavy hitting quotes there that that got to me. All right, last second thoughts. Anybody have any? Or we are ready to push on to next week. Yeah. So what are we? We're reading secret or no, not secret. We uh we are reading Civil War next. Is that correct, Bo? Is that the next uh, reading on the the timeline two weeks from now? It is, and that's a that's a big one. I actually I have all of Civil War in physical print, so I'm excited to flip through those and hopefully get some paper cuts as I go through. Because uh, I love reading on the phone, love reading on the app, but there's just something different about that comic book in hand, especially with these events and, and crossover things that I love so much. So uh, Civil War, uh, just the main line, another one with a lot of tie-ins, but we are just reading the main story here. I did go through and count, by the way, and I think I counted 97 issues if we were to read all of the tie-ins. Main That's event crazy, is seven We will issues, be reading so seven. Yeah. seven <laughs> but yeah, 90 additional ones if you want to get some heavy reading in this week, Brady. But I think that's two weeks from now. Next week, we'll be doing a, a special episode. Um, I think it's it's my turn to bring the special episode. <laughs> I think but, it is. Yeah, no, that's uh that's all i got for today brady all right until next week we are signing off enjoy your mug enjoy your joe we'll catch you next week no more podcast joey i have to have you do editing the repair guy's on his way Okay. Uh, give me huh. like five minutes to to get get set up for him, and then we'll be. I'll be right back. Okay. Who's repairing what? <laughs>